a lot has been said about COVID-19. You would have noticed that the figures in terms of people who are testing positive is on the increase yet again. That number is sitting over 800. And their concerns about the positivity rate that is also on the increase right now. Now, Professor of Vaccinology at Wits University, Shabir Madi, says they'll only know whether the country is approaching the fourth wave of infections if the positivity rate reaches more than 10% for two consecutive weeks. The National Institute for Communicable Diseases has already said that uh, the positive the positivity rate has been increasing but it's currently sitting at 3.4 percent well to speak to us further on this today is dr leslie bamford Uh, she's the COVID 19 team leader and chief director for the child health program at the national department of health dr bamford good morning to you and thank you for your time uh good morning and good morning to the listeners I want to start with something that is really basic, Dr. Bamford, and and I think you, as the um, expert here in terms of your 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 career as a doctor, will have to break it down for us so that we really understand. Over the last two months, that we have had a lot of electioneering, a lot of campaigning, a lot of just public events where we've seen South Africans out and about, some of which are not wearing masks. There's no social distancing. There's no protocols being observed. We have not necessarily been observing an increase in the numbers. If anything, leading up to the elections, you know, the infection rates, this is the number of people who are testing positive for COVID-19, continued to be on the decrease. Why is it that we are suddenly seeing this increase of COVID-19 cases? What's driving the pattern of infection in South Africa? So I think uh, we understand uh, some of this, and there are many uh, aspects of this pandemic where we are uh, still still learning and um, understanding uh, more and more. Really what we see in the COVID pand- pandemic is that it does uh, come in waves. Um, and as we know, we have had uh, three waves. We can uh, predict when we uh, think those waves uh, might be um, arriving, but but there are many things, many uh, things that contribute to exactly uh, when a wave uh, arrives uh, that we don't have control over. So we can uh, predict various uh, scenarios, uh, but to some extent, uh, we do also have to. Uh, wait and see what happens and monitor the situation uh, very closely. So one of the key uh, issues uh, that will affect when a wave arrives and, and how the wave uh, impacts is when we have a new variants that become uh, dominant. And certainly some of the uh, previous waves uh, have been um, as a result of new uh, variants becoming uh, dominant, variants that were uh, more uh, transmissible, um, and therefore those uh, variants spread very quickly and uh, resulted in a steep increase in the uh, number of cases. 
right now, as as far as we have been told, we haven't necessarily seen any changes when it comes to the variants that are circulating in the country. So in the absence of a new variant, at least as far as we know, what else is is driving the pattern of of infections? So I think we we must be clear that we are uh, currently um, very concerned about uh, the number of the increase uh, in cases, um, and we are watching those um, very carefully. Um, however, it has not crossed the threshold where we uh, define a, a new wave. Um, we also see uh, different uh, patterns um, of uh, infection during uh, different periods of the pandemic. So sometimes we see uh, a number of uh, clusters of cases, um, and sometimes we see very broad transmission um, across the, the whole population. So currently it's not uh, completely clear whether we are uh, just seeing a number um, of uh, clusters of, of outbreaks that are contributing to the uh, increase in the number of cases, or we are moving into a wave. And during a wave, we know that there is then uh, across a wide geographical area uh, ongoing and substantial community uh, transmission. Uh, and that then is what, when there's a lot of uh, community transmission, uh, then the numbers start uh, rate, uh, increasing exponentially, uh, and that is then when we uh, say that we have, we know that we have entered into into a wave. Mm. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, Dr. Bamford, and please, you know, correct me if if this is not what you're saying. Um, it's that when it comes to why it is that in the peak of gatherings we were dealing with declining numbers of COVID-19, that we don't fully understand why that has been the case. So, so I think we must um, not focus too much on um, specific events. We know that, for example, during the, uh, in the build-up uh, to the election, uh, there were a certain number of uh, political rallies, etc., Um, But we also know that on an ongoing basis, uh, there are many uh, gatherings that are happening, religious gatherings, etc., where people are not necessarily following um, all the the COVID regulations. And so, of course, there is a concern that as we go into the holiday period, uh, we know that uh, there's a lot of movement of people, uh, and so there is potential... Uh, for increased transmission from uh, one uh, geographic uh, area to another. Uh, the more gatherings that are happening, the more chance there is that one, of, that one or, or more of those gatherings will become a super spreader event. Um, and all of those can uh, contribute uh, to increased uh, transmission um, at a community level. Um, and at some point, uh, unfortunately, that uh, community transmission then reaches a threshold uh, and leads to a steep increase in the number of cases, and we see a wave arriving. Mm. 
so so part of the reason why I'm 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 trying to find or, or or be clear about that connection is that when we have restrictions in this country, the main center of emphasis from a policy perspective has been around people gathering. The restrictions have been around limiting the movement of people and inhibiting the ability to gather. And of course, many are already worried about what the festive season might hold if we continue to see an increase in these numbers. So I think that's very true. I think we, in, you know, in terms of, of uh, when a wave arrives um, and uh, how, to, how the impact of that wave, there are things that we can control for and there are things that we, that we cannot control for. Uh, we have limited control um, over the development of, of a new variant. Um, but what do we have control over? Uh, the first thing that we have control over is how many people um, are vaccinated. Uh, and one of our uh, chief concerns is that uh, we may be going into a fourth wave um, and we have only vaccinated um, approximately 40% of adults uh, in South Africa. The main reason uh, why that figure remains low is uh, due to a low demand for vaccination. So, so really now is the time for people who have been uncertain about whether they should vaccinate or not to uh, come forward and be vaccinated uh, because we certainly know that uh, the more people who are vaccinated, uh, the better off we will be uh, in terms of both uh, when the wave arrives, uh, but particularly how many people become uh, severely ill uh, during that wave. We're in. Uh, sure, go, go ahead, Dr. Bam. And then the second issue that we that we have some control over uh, is the issues around uh, movement of people um, and gatherings. Now, we know that we are currently in uh, level one, so we have some, uh, we can uh, socialize and gather um, up to a point, uh, but it is extremely important that as far as possible, people uh, stick to the regulations um, and that, and that uh, people avoid uh, large social gatherings. And when these gatherings do take place, uh, that people stick to the basic rules of social distancing, of wearing masks, um, of as far as possible uh, being um, out of doors. Because all of these issues do uh, contribute and limit uh, transmission um, of the virus. Mm. Dr. Bamford, we have a, a lot of people that are questioning the credibility of the data and how it is collected and put together. Talk to us about those processes and how, um, you know, how foolproof they they actually are. So, uh, if we first look at the data uh, related to to the number of cases, so uh, anyone who has a, a COVID test uh, in South Africa whether that is done through um, a private laboratory or through uh, one of our uh, public sector laboratories, uh, all COVID tests uh, and the results of those tests 
are entered into um, a national uh, database. And that then uh, forms the basis of uh, reporting on the test. So we know uh, how many tests have been done, and we can report on uh, the proportion of those tests um, that are positive. Uh, the data on the number of um, people who are admitted uh, to hospital uh, are collected through another database. Uh, where all hospitals in the country uh, contribute um, on a daily basis. Uh, the number of um, deaths that are reported, those are also uh, based on the outcomes of uh, all the people who are recorded as having a positive test. So that's on the, the, uh, in terms of the number of cases that are reported uh, on, a, on a daily basis. Um, and we are confident that those data um, are accurate. Uh, we really, as a country, have no uh, interest in reporting uh, figures that are uh, inaccurate, uh, and a lot of work uh, goes into making sure that those numbers are uh, complete and accurate. I think the one thing that we must, of course, uh, acknowledge is that, of course, we don't identify all the cases because we know that many people who have COVID infection are uh, asymptomatic or have very mild, uh, mild symptoms. And those people may not uh, be tested and therefore would not uh, appear in those databases. However, anyone who uh, does become uh, more uh, severely ill or knows that they have been in contact uh, with someone with COVID and who tests, we can be very sure that that test result is finding its way uh, into our database. Uh, on the vaccination side, yeah. uh, we have um, our electronic vaccine a data system, also known um, as the EVDA. And, and as every South African should know, uh, no one should be vaccinated without that vaccination uh, being recorded uh, in the EVDA. And that is why uh, each evening, uh, around about uh, 7 o'clock, we are able to uh, compile and report on the number of vaccinations uh, that have been uh, done during the course of the day. Um, of course, there is always a little bit of a late reporting, uh, and there's a very small number um, of cases that, that are reported uh, the, the day after that were done, you know, done today but reported uh, tomorrow. Um, but overall, we are very confident uh, that the numbers that we uh, issue on a daily basis um, are extremely accurate and do reflect uh, what is happening. As I said, both in terms of the number of cases, uh, but also in terms of vaccinations that have been administered. We're in conversation with Dr. Leslie Bamford. She's the COVID-19 team leader and chief director for the Child Health Program at the National Department of Health. I'll be taking your calls for her. We're talking COVID-19 on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. And on social media, it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. Dr. Bamford, let's quickly talk about the vaccinations of children and what we are seeing there. And is there going to be a greater push 
to try and have children vaccinated uh, during this period? So, from a national vaccine rollout uh, perspective, our our number one uh, aim is to uh, reach adults, um, and particularly to reach older adults, those 50 years and older, particularly those at 60 years and older, because we know that those are the people who are most likely to develop severe infection uh, if they uh, are infected. Uh, to require hospitalization um, and to die from uh, COVID-19. However, we are do also need to vaccinate uh, as many people uh, as possible, including younger adults and uh, including children uh, 12 to, to 17 years old. So uh, we our uh, program targeting children uh, have has been running uh, for about a month now. Um, we're seeing we're vaccinating around about uh, 10,000 uh, children per day. Uh, we are hoping that this number uh, will increase um, as uh, learners uh, finish exams, finish school, uh, and will then be able to uh, come to our vaccination site uh, to vaccinate. Uh, certainly next year, uh, we will be looking at uh, really targeting uh, younger people uh, to make sure that uh, coverage increases um, in the younger age group um, as well. And, and and so that means that when it comes to the vaccination of children right now and going into the rest of the festive season, they are not necessarily top of your list. You are still trying to get those who are 50 and older to come through and get vaccinated. So, so I think you put it right. They're not top of our list, uh, but we will still very much uh, encourage them if they can uh, come to our vaccination site. Um, now that uh, exams are coming to an end, uh, the school term is coming to an end, uh, we would really encourage them uh, to come and, and be vaccinated um, because whilst um, we know that children are not as severely uh, infected by COVID, uh, during the third wave, we certainly saw a fairly large number um, of adolescents uh, being uh, infected, um, and they then do play uh, in an important role in uh, transmitting the virus. Okay. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Bamford. I'll also be taking your calls. I see some of you already lined up. It's 11.30. Nomsam Juli has a look at your latest headlines. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. We're leading the conversation on the talking point and we're talking COVID-19 for our health talk for today. Let me go to Jeff. You're calling us from Bloom. Jeff, good morning. Hello, Jeff. Um, good morning to the doctor there. Yes. I just, I just have a question. I, I think the goal is... Obviously, the goal of the vaccination is obviously to achieve, I'm guessing, herd immunity, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I just wanted to find out what, what data is being tracked to see how far we are from herd immunity. Dr. Bamford? Okay. So, uh, in terms of herd immunity or population immunity, um, 
as it's known, as it's also known. Uh, we had, when we uh, embarked on the vaccine rollout, really uh, thought that we uh, would get to a point where we would have herd immunity. Uh, increasingly, uh, experience from around the world has shown that this is probably um, an elusive goal. So let's just be clear what we mean by uh, herd or population immunity. So, so what we mean by that is that uh, sufficient, a sufficient number um, of people have been vaccinated that uh, the virus uh, stops circulating so that even people who are unvaccinated are then protected from uh, infection. Um, and as I say, uh, in the beginning of the vaccine rollout, uh, globally there was a belief that we could uh, reach a point where, where we would achieve um, herd immunity. Uh, and herd population immunity, uh, what affects that? Uh, first of all, it's uh, how transmissible uh, the vaccine is, uh, the virus is. Uh, it's also affected by whether uh, people who are vaccinated uh, can or cannot uh, transmit the virus. And then it depends on the uh, vaccination coverage um, of the uh, population. Now, it had been uh, estimated that in South Africa we would have to achieve uh, 67% uh, vaccination across the total population uh, in order to achieve uh, herd immunity. Uh, and that uh, translates into uh, every adult uh, in South Africa being vaccinated. Uh, as the vaccine rollout has uh, progressed, we have now focused more on uh, limiting transmission uh, and limiting uh, severe infection. Uh, and in order to do that, we know that we must first of all achieve high coverage amongst the most vulnerable, uh, which is older persons. And then secondly, we must achieve um, as high a coverage as possible across the rest of the population. Okay. okay. So, so, so the goal is no longer to achieve population immunity. It's, it's more so to um, prevent, uh, I guess, hospitalizations and um, severe illnesses. So that that's correct. It is both. So, the, but the first one is to to prevent the severe infection. And that, to do that, we know that we need to focus on the most vulnerable, who are the older people. And then secondly, uh, to prevent as much uh, infection um, as possible by ensuring that we have um, as high a coverage uh, across the general population um, as possible. And that's why okay. our immediate goal is to vaccinate 70% of adults. Okay, Jeff, I hope that sorts you out. Um, Jeff out in Bloemfontein. Ike, you're calling us from Mpumalanga. Good morning, Ike. Morning, morning. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Thank you so much. What a program, a great program indeed. Uh, look, I just wanted to, to check with the doctor there to, to check uh, to say, do we have um, people, people who are fully vaccinated who end up dying? If, if we do have such people, why are we not provided with such statistics? Hello? 
Um, hello, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I if I um, heard the heard the question correctly. So, so I think the question was: uh, Is it true that people who are uh, fully vaccinated uh, can people still uh, die from COVID? So, so, so he's yes. asking if there are people who have been fully vaccinated and who have died from um, COVID-19-related complications? So so, uh, the answer to that question is um, yes, there are. So so we need to be very clear that COVID-19 vaccinations um, are not 100% um, effective. So they do, uh, there is no doubt that they are safe and they are effective. Um, and they do uh, reduce infections uh, very uh, substantially. Uh, however, we do still see what we call a breakthrough infection. So I think we can talk about two scenarios. So, mm-hmm. so the first scenario is um, when people um, are vaccinated, but uh, in a sense they're vaccinated, too late. So by the time they're vaccinated, they are uh, already uh, infected with uh, COVID-19. And of course, then the vaccination is not going to uh, be effective uh, because they are already uh, infected. Then um, we we know that the uh, vaccines um, are not 100% effective. Uh, We know that they are um, at least 80 to 90 percent effective in preventing severe infection, uh, but that does still mean that a small number of people uh, will become uh, infected and will be hospitalised and will uh, die from uh, COVID uh, infection. We we also know uh, that over time the uh, protection uh, may wane, um, and that is why in some countries. Uh, they are now providing uh, booster doses, um, and that is something that we as South Africa need to uh, start thinking about. Uh, currently, we do not believe that there's an immediate need to provide uh, boosters, uh, partly uh, because of the timing of when our program started, but in the future, we may need to uh, look to providing uh, boosters uh, to ensure that uh, the vaccine provides uh, protection on an ongoing uh, basis. All right. Ike, does that answer your question? Partly, partly, partly. I understood the doctor said it's not, the vaccine is not 100%. Now, I, I wanted to, to ask this. Remember the, 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 the people, the South Africans, they need more transparency. Why, when, when reporting those statistics, if there are people who died who were fully vaccinated, why are we not given that statistics? Remember, people want transparency to have confidence in the vaccine. But as long as we, we, we not put it very clear and sh- demonstrate that through our statistics, people will always be hesitant. Okay. All right, Ike. Thanks for calling in. And yeah, uh, appreciate you making that point. So I've still got a couple of more calls lined up for Dr. Bamford. We are talking about COVID-19. And you, of course, would have noticed that the talk around COVID-19 has suddenly increased. But that's because, you know, there are concerns. Because what we're seeing is that 
There's an increase in the number of people who are testing positive. What does this mean going forward? Should we be worried about a fourth wave? And if we should be, when exactly um, uh, can we expect it? Is Are we going to have another December like we had last year? We, you know, while on the one hand there's the need for people to move around, but you also have restrictions that are in place. What can we expect? And this is really part of what this conversation aims to do. Uh, We'll continue then with Dr. Bamford after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue leading the conversation on uh, the talking point. Dr. Leslie Bamford is answering questions for our health talk today. The focus is COVID-19 vaccinations and all other associated matters. Jeanito, you're calling us from Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right, Jeanito. Just try and speak a bit louder for me. You're sounding a bit far. I'd just like to ask one question. Mm. Uh, this immunity that the doctor is talking about, uh, what does it imply? Because she's also saying that uh, people that are, are, are vaccinated, they can still conduct uh, uh, COVID. So how, do, how does it happen then that they get immunity? If they after vaccinated, they can still get infected. What is the immunity? What does it mean? So uh, I just need a clarification on that. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Dr. Bamford, just, uh, I know Janito is not sounding very clear, but his question is around herd immunity. And he's saying if people can still contract um, COVID-19 after being vaccinated, what then is the aim of achieving herd immunity? So I think we we already in the past we answered this question, um, and 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 indicated that that it does seem likely that with COVID nineteen that we are not going to achieve a herd or population immunity. So remember that that population immunity means that even people who are not vaccinated are protected from the disease. So so unfortunately. Uh, it seems that um, the main benefit um, of people vaccinating is that it will uh, protect themselves. It does also play a role in protecting uh, people around them. Um, But that we are not going to get to a point where the virus will uh, no longer be uh, circulating in the population simply because of the fact that uh, we have vaccinated enough people. Genito, does that answer your question? Yeah, yes, um, uh, yeah, answer, but it's not confusing. You know, the population of South Africa, we need to know exactly what is happening. Because now, they are saying a lot of things, and, and the wording that they are using, it confuses us as, as, as the population of South Africa, and we end up not knowing exactly what they are doing. So, so Genito, what is it that is confusing you right now? What, what is confusing is that they want to, 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 to vaccinate the mad population of South Africa mm. so that they can get their immunity and so that they cannot spread the virus and, and all that. But yet they are, and she's even repeating what I'm, what I'm asking, because she's saying the more the vaccination is, is more of protecting yourself. But some of the people within the population of 
Janito, thanks for calling in, and 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 I hear the point that that he's making. So, uh, Dr. Bamford, Janito is basically talking about the emphasis that government had initially placed on um, achieving herd immunity to prevent the the you know the further spread of COVID nineteen, and the fact that now it's no longer necessarily about herd immunity, but about people needing to right. take the vaccine, um, people needing to take the vaccine in order to, you know, prevent loss of life effectively. Hmm. So, so I think we, we appreciate that, that uh, there can be some uh, confusion. I think uh, as the pandemic progresses, we uh, learn more and more uh, and sometimes our understanding changes, and uh, we need to be transparent. Um, and as our um, understanding uh, changes, we 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 need to to adapt to that. However, for the whole of the vaccine rollout, uh, we have been uh, very clear that we have uh, two aims in terms of the vaccine rollout. So the first one is to uh, to save lives, uh, and in order to save lives, we need to ensure that we vaccinate those who are most uh, vulnerable, most at risk for severe disease and death, uh, and that is older persons. And that is why, when we started the vaccine rollout in May, uh, we targeted uh, those 60 years and older, uh, and then moved down in the different age groups. The second uh, objective of the national vaccine rollout. Um, is to protect livelihoods um, and to, as far as possible, uh, to allow uh, some level of returning uh, to normality. Uh, and in order to do that, we need to ensure that as many people in the general population as possible um, are vaccinated. Uh, and the more people that are vaccinated, the more likely it is that we will uh, be able to uh, lift restrictions um, and to uh, open up uh, society uh, and the economy. So uh, we've always said that those uh, are the aims of the uh, vaccine rollout, um, and those uh, remain the, the goals and objectives of the uh, vaccine um, rollout. In practice, that means that our uh, first objective is to reach uh, 70% of adults uh, we had hoped to um, achieve that objective uh, by the end of this year, by the end of December. Uh, unfortunately, because of a low uptake of the vaccine, we are not likely to uh, reach that uh, target. Um, but we nevertheless um, need to work as hard as possible to get as close to that target uh, as possible. Um, and I think it's true that there there is renewed uh, anxiety and concern because of the rising numbers. Um, and we would really encourage uh, people who perhaps have been um, uncertain about uh, being vaccinated 
or just have not got round to being vaccinated, uh, to please make the effort and to come forward uh, and be vaccinated. Uh, because if we are uh, now entering uh, the fourth wave, uh, the best thing that they can do to protect themselves is to be vaccinated. Okay. Let me go to Ellen. Ellen, you're calling us from Tabeja. Good morning. Hello, Kathy. Hello, Hi. doctor. Uh, just uh, one question for the doctor. Uh, my wife went in for a second trip on September. Mm. I think the first one was on August, the second one on September. But ever since then, she has been coughing till today. We already went twice to the doctor. They can't find anything wrong, but she can't even sleep. She's coughing. We also uh, get advice that we must go to chemist. She did get some treatment there, but all the treatment did, uh, didn't help. Now she, she went to another doctor again. Now she's got an appointment for uh, an X-ray to check what could be the problem. Mm. So I'm also scared now because I was supposed also to go for my debt, but now I'm scared because I still have to look after my wife to see what, what's wrong with my wife. So what could be the problem? So can we can we talk a little bit about um, adverse events following immunization? So we take uh, any reports of any adverse events following uh, immunization uh, very seriously, and uh, all of these uh, adverse events uh, should be reported uh, and are investigated by um, a group of experts. Having said that, we, we do need to be careful that we don't uh, attribute uh, everything, uh, all symptoms, uh, et cetera, to uh, the vac- vaccine. Um, people do, unfortunately, become ill uh, and uh, experience symptoms just in the course of life. Uh, and so, so we do need to be uh, very careful that we don't uh, attribute uh, everything that happens to uh, vaccination. I must say coughing uh, has not been uh, reported uh, as something that uh, is uh, is linked uh, to the vaccine uh, in any way. Um, but anyone who uh, is concerned about a symptom or any uh, adverse event uh, after immunization, we, we really do urge that... Um, those adverse events are reported uh, so that we can uh, investigate uh, and make sure that there are not uh, any adverse events that we are missing. Uh, How do people report adverse events? They can be reported at any health facility. They can also be uh, reported by downloading the MedSafety app uh, on one cell phone, uh, and they can also be uh, reported through the uh, COVID-19 uh, hotline. And as I say, yeah. any uh, adverse report, uh, adverse event reports are uh, investigated uh, and looked at uh, very closely to see whether uh, there is a linkage uh, between the vaccination and the illness or symptoms uh, that the person is experiencing um, post-vaccination. So, so I would really... Uh, encourage um, the gentleman on the call uh, to make sure that uh, this has been uh, reported uh, so that it can be uh, investigated and will uh, contribute 
to the reporting system. Uh, and those data are always available uh, on the SAPRA website. All right. All right, Alan. Well, certainly all I of do. the best with your wife, hey, and, and hopefully she gets better soon. So let me quickly then take Julie. Julie, you're calling us from the Western Cape. I know you've been holding for almost half an hour now. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Yes. Yes, I'm so glad that the doctor touched on adverse events because I am now uh, suffering with fervor. And I had to have an X-ray and an ultrasound and it was determined that I have now server due to uh, the COVID uh, vaccination. Um, I've been suffering now since August when I had the first jab. And when I went for the second jab, I was in so much distress that the sisters said that they wouldn't give it to me until I am much better. Now, I reported this several times, um, including to the hotline mm. number. And it was only now on Monday that I was called back and advised now to go to the day hospital um, so that they can give me now a physio. Um, because my medical aid is now exhausted from all these uh, visits to the doctor and mm. x-rays and ultrasounds and that is. Mm. So what I'm wanting to say is that many of us who are senior citizens are fearful of going for the jab um, and that is why there's such a slow uptake even with offering this 100 grand voucher because when you something happens um, because of the jab, um, help is not um, forthcoming. Now, I had open heart surgery a few months ago, so the queue at the day hospital is normally halfway around the building. So I inquired from the sister that phoned me if I could get a letter to ask if they could fast forward me when I go to the day hospital. Mm. Um, she said, well, they can't do that. So my question also is that if we don't get help um, and also what about the children yeah. if they too suffer with server after the, the vaccine? All right. All right, Julie. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to have to leave it there with you, Julie. But I think uh, the question is is clear enough, and I have somebody here who might also be able to answer that question, but certainly wants to contribute to the conversation, and that's the Minister of Health, Dr. Joe Patler. Dr. Patler, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Sorry to uh, budge in. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe just on the last one. I think. Uh, uh, if you could get your producer to get the details of the caller so that uh, Dr. Bamford could uh, make a follow-up mm. because that looks like a quite a serious uh, adverse effect. Uh, we would like to uh, any, any serious ad- adverse effect to be thoroughly followed up. So if the producer could get the number of the lady so that it can be followed up. That's not a but, problem. Yeah. The, 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 the matter I wanted to just add on is on the issue of the population or community uh, uh, health immunity, 
that part of what I wanted to add to what uh, Dr. Bamford has mentioned is that there is also evidence that you you not only protect us from severe illness, but uh, when you are in, when you are vaccinated, but also even when you get infected, you don't carry as much of the COVID virus uh, when you when you cough. When, so you don't you 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 have mild illness. But also you you transmit very minimum virus because your viral load gets lower. So that's why you also protect other people around you. I just wanted to add that aspect to uh, uh, the one Dr. Pamford has already mentioned. Thank you very much. And, and Dr. Patler, just before you go, I mean, we spoke to Julie now who says that um, elderly people have a lot of concerns about getting vaccinated, and that's part of why, despite some of the incentives, they're still not getting um, the vaccine. How is government going to respond to that? Because as long as the majority of the elderly population is, is not vaccinated, the risks for them still remain very high. Well, I think it's useful on shows like this that we then get the gist of what are the issues so that we can address those. She's mentioned, I didn't get the full details of the, but it sounded quite a protracted uh, adverse effect which we got. So because we created the mechanism so that we can address each and every concern. So we would encourage people, you know, to use the platforms that you have created to tell us the issues, the things which they are concerned about, uh, including what you had mentioned about adverse effects, so that we can make sure that the information about where to go, because we have also created a, a fund through which uh, people could be assisted in this adverse effect. So, so, so all this could be accessed if, if we get if, if we can make sure people have all the information. Mm. You know, Dr. Patla, as we're speaking, I'm beginning to get people who have uh, questions specifically from you, at least on the part of government. So I, I might need to coerce you into doing an interview with us for next week for an hour so that our listeners have the opportunity uh, to engage with you on the slot. That's fine. That's fine. I'll ask, uh, I, know, I think your producer has contact with our uh, Mr. Foster Mohale. Yes. Uh, he knows. Unfortunately, next week uh, I'm out on a particular uh, state engagement with the president uh, for most of next week. I think we're coming back only on Thursday. That's fine. So, we will try yeah, and make Mr. a plan and, 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 and arrange accordingly in your diary. That's not a problem. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thank Dr. Patla, thanks for the call. Thank uh, Dr. Patla there, the Minister of Health, also wanting to add his voice. Dr. Leslie Bamford, of course, you've been with us for um, the last hour taking some of these questions. I've got 15 seconds for you to respond. I'm so sorry. Um, no problem at all. And uh, it was great that um, our minister was able to, to call in. So so I didn't actually uh, quite catch what the uh, caller, uh, what um, condition the caller is now uh, suffering from. But, but I think our, our um, response remains the same. Uh, all adverse events uh, must be, please be reported so that we can follow them up. And secondly, that we do need to be careful that we don't um, attribute everything bad that happens to anyone uh, 
to the vaccination. All right. So maybe that's a good point to end on. So what we'll do, Dr. Bamford, is that we'll give you Julie's contact details as uh, has been requested by Dr. Pasha and you guys can follow up with her directly from there on. That's also where we leave it for today. Thank you for joining us for the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. Sakina Kamwendo is back finally. Today I won't get into trouble for saying Sakina, good afternoon. Welcome back. Hi, Sakina.